UFOs, Bigfoot, paranormal input. Go ahead now, get mystical. Mystery and magical. UFOs, not typical. Bigfoot, not typical. You ask me why I'm skeptical. I say questions are questionable. Is the truth alien to you? Alien to get my message through. Aliens might message you. Aliens are sliding through. The wild signal we're plotting to. Algorithms they find is true. Typical. Skeptic. Shut Got no time for no petty germs, pandemic, a pandemic turn, horror still in Amityville, Bayonet in Gettysburg, Mothman, TNT, Factory, Red Eyes, Loki, Dogman, howling in the street, I'm typically skeptic of what I see, Voodoo Hoodoo in New Orleans, Thunderbird, Swamp Thing, is it real, I was wondering, typical, skeptic, show, typical, skeptic, show. my intro. This isn't live or anything, it's just... Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of the Typical Skeptic Podcast. I have another fascinating guest today. This is the second time she's been on my show, but I thought it would be good to refresh her story because a lot of you haven't saw her yet. I mean, uh, she was back on my show when, like, my first when I first started my channel. So you know, um, but who I have with me is Dr. Mary Helen Hensley, one of Ireland's most sought-after metaphysical healers and synergistic speakers. With a Bachelor of Arts in Communications and Graphic Design, Mary Helen went on to receive a Doctorate of Chiropractic in America and practiced in Ireland from 1999 to 2012. Following her near-death experience in 1991, Mary Helen began to realize that her previous skills of communicating with those in spirit had become so much more. A series of incredible serendipitous events led her to develop her newfound ability to facilitate healing processes. Um, and uh, I want to give her a big warm welcome to the show. Dr. Mary, thank you for coming back on my show. How are you? Well, thank you. I'm great, thanks. Just finished a big, good, long day of work, and uh, now it's my uh, witching hour. So I work all day, and then about this time of night, I wake up. <laughs> that sounds like what I do. I, I started a job at a bakery, so I, I work 4 a.m. to 12 p.m., and then I have, oh, like, my fun. afternoon yeah, then I have my afternoon and evenings to do podcasts. So that's kind of what I do, you know. Like, I mean, it's, it's not bad though, because I just come home and I take like a 20 minute nap. That's all I need. You know what I mean? Because I sleep, I go to bed at like 8, 8 p.m., then I wake up at 3, and then I take like afternoon naps. So if I get tired, I take another one, you know, and, and I just feel, I just feel what my body needs. And I'm sure you know that as being a doctor. Like, I think that's what we need to do in all areas of our life. Like, kind of like if your body's telling you something, like, answer it right right yeah i mean but you have to think there's been you know 70 80 years of absolute hardcore hammering propaganda um against the general public getting them to conform into a type of post-industrial revolution lifestyle which is that three you know three square meals a day that nine to five um you know the white picket fence and the, and the little dog and um you know, the idea of what a well-lived life looks like. And for a lot of people, like, you know, you, you just you just said my worst nightmare, going to bed at eight o'clock, are you kidding? I would have the worst FOMO, the fear of missing out if I went to bed at eight o'clock because everything for me happens at night. So I would flip that and I would go to bed at three o'clock. And if I could wake up at 10 o'clock and then if I could have breakfast food for lunch, and then work until um, about eight o'clock at night and then go start my projects and do all that. That schedule works for me. And that's the beauty of, well, see, of owning your own business is that's the schedule I work. <laughs> that's kind of what I do on my days off. You know what I mean? Because I, I do so much of the podcast. Like, and I, I'm a night person too. I think that's why I took the job because I like to be up at night. I like, I'm, I like, I feel like it's more, I'm more eventful at night. I'm more productive. You know what I mean? Like, um, I don't know what it is. It's, it's interesting, though, you know. Um, I wanted to start off by asking you if you could tell the audience about your near-death experience because, like, uh, it's, re it's really poignant, and that's kind of what woke you up to your abilities, right? Yeah, well, I'd had some, you know, I had an unusual start in life period, um, and, you know, I had some abilities going through my early childhood and, and into adulthood, but I wasn't really, I hadn't realized the potential of those things, so 
obviously outside of myself and knowing the kind of little scallywag that I would become, um, I set up this accident to happen. Um, I later found out so that if I had not reconnected with myself, if I had not discovered how to use the abilities that I inherently had, um, it would take an accident to wake that up. So um, obviously, you know, I told you a long time ago that the most I was doing with my abilities, I was a cheerleader in college and I would predict the basketball scores and write them in an envelope and stick them in my drawer and come back and crack open a beer and we'd all laugh because it was so funny that the score was on the piece of paper and that was me serving humanity. (laughs) Six months later, I find myself on a highway, on a dark desert highway um, in Charleston, South Carolina, and I'm like two miles from home. I was on my way to a Christmas party. Um, I'd been out of college for about six months. I'd graduated. I was living in Charleston and uh, working for a sign company. So, you know, I had my, my big old college degrees and I could not get a job. I was mopping floors in a sign company. And this was our Christmas party and it was December 14th, 1991. And I was on my way to that party. And so I was just down the road from my apartment and I was at a crossroads with a major intersection of Highway 17 um, in Charleston, which is a major highway in the South. Um, you know, loads of lanes this way, loads of lanes this way. And I was waiting for my light to turn. And I was the first car in, in the queue of cars. And um, my light turns green eventually. And I had to drive across the stop traffic to make a left-hand turn to go in towards Charleston town. And um, at that stage, I looked left and there was a car barreling towards me. And I knew in that moment, I was like, oh, he's not going to, he's not going to stop for that light. Everybody else was stopped, but he was pedal to the metal and he was running that red light. And just as I got to where his last lane was, he floored it. And um, this is when everything in my world changed because time just slowed down. Um, I literally watched the matrix unfold in front of me and realized, oh my gosh, this is really cool. You can speed this thing up and slow it down. It runs like a program. You know, it's, um, this is, uh, this is really interesting. And so I watch everything kind of screech to a halt. And in that moment, I was completely aware, 100% clear that I had the choice of how it was to unfold. I could stay in my body and that car would speed back up and it would plow into the side of the car and kill me and I could be in the body and then die. Or I could come out of the body and witness the accident and die that way. Either way, I was going to die, but I had a choice as to how that was going to happen. Now, the interesting part is imagine everything's just creeping along at a standstill here while I'm making this choice. So this is your first clue that death is not like we've been told. Um, It's not a scary time. It's not a, oh my God. It's like, oh, okay, we're at this now. How am I going to play this out? What's going to best serve what I need um, in order to exit here with everything I came came here looking for? So I'm like, all right, I'm taking option B um, because that car is going really fast and that's really going to hurt. So I didn't feel the need to experience that impact. So Next thing you know, there's this beautiful sound, a drone, like a bagpipe drone in the background. And it's like coursing through the atmosphere. And I feel myself lift out of the body. And now this is where it becomes, there's the body and here's me. And this is that first realization of, oh my God, we're not the same thing. I was occupying that body. That was a suit. That was a meat suit. And this is who I am. And I'm looking at this and it's like, oh yeah, it's not like you're discovering this for the first time. And it's like, oh my God, this is amazing. It's like, oh yeah, you know, you're shaking it off. Do you know, like you've agreed to always describe it. It's like, you know, if you've ever played a really good game of Monopoly, you're in it, you know, like in reality, everybody knows that you're not the dog or the silver shoe or the car or the top hat. 
but you're suspending reality for a moment to take on one of those roles to deeply immerse yourself into the game of Monopoly. You know you're not going to get out of jail with 200 bucks. You know you're not buying Park Place with a pink $500 bill in reality. But you suspend your version of reality in order to completely immerse yourself in what the game has to offer, which is the time spent with friends, which is the things that you learn about money, um, you know, which is the, just the fun, the crack, you know. And so um, life is very much the same way. And it's that moment where you're coming out of the body that you realize, oh, that was my shoe. That was my horse. That was my that was my silver car. Oh, God. Oh, Yeah. And then it becomes a whole lot of, oh, yeah. So at that stage, I'm now up and over the accident. Everything sped up. The guy ran through. He was an 81-year-old man who had um, injured a couple and nearly killed them earlier in the year. And his license should have been taken off of him then. And aren't I delighted that it wasn't? Because I would never have had this accident in my life. Wouldn't have gone down, you know, possibly the path that it did at that point. And it was time. I was ready. So um, he runs that red light and he T-bones my car. He hits me, boom, just like this at 75 miles an hour. And I am up and out and watching this accompanied by that weird bagpipe drone. It was so beautiful, which I have come to realize is a vibration that keeps the soul or the spirit tethered to the earth plane. So while I was still here and having that experience, that vibration was keeping me connected to the physical body because I would in fact be coming back into it. So um, anyone who's ever had an out of body experience or that near death experience, it's not like there's a physical cord, like a, like a rope tied around your etheric ankle. It's a frequency. It's a vibration that's keeping you tethered to your experience of your own doing so that you can choose to stay or choose to go. And so, um, you know, you've got a lot of, a lot of, Oh my God. Oh yeah. I remember this. I remember this going on. At the same time that you're hovering and looking down and the car is, has spun around the circle in the intersection, all the cars have screeched to a halt. I've literally watched where the man hit and T-boned me. My head goes through the driver's side window. My neck breaks. The seat folds up under me and I'm just hanging there like a little puppet. And this is where everyone wants to know, well, oh my gosh, what was that like? And guys, it's the best way I can describe it and I always have is if you're outside on a hot summer's day and you've been out working in the garden or mowing the grass and you're all hot and sticky and sweaty and you're thirsty and you just want to get the clothes off and get in and have a nice shower and you walk in the back door, you peel off those nasty clothes, you throw them into the washing machine and you go and take the most glorious shower and you're washing off the muck and the grime and it's wonderful. The last thing you're thinking of when you're having that shower is those dirty clothes in the washing machine. And that's what it's like to shed the mortal coil. That's fascinating. That that's fascinating. Like, is it that it's really that easy though? I mean, like, I mean, like it's, I, 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 and that may be a simple question, but like, I mean, people probably think it's, it's a lot more complicated, right? Like that life is more complicated, but I, the, the way you made it sound like it, I, I, I can really relate to that, that we're in some kind of matrix or game. It, that that sounds like about right about, I mean, from the other people that I've had on my show, I've, I'm starting to come to a conclusion that this might be more of like a simulated reality. Do you think that, it, it, that we're in something like that? Yeah, something like that, but not the only thing that the game metaphor and the simulated re reality in the matrix um, kind of denotes is that someone is sitting behind the controls, controlling the outcome of your reality. And it's very funny because it's like, whoever actually did write the matrix movie and explained this was really, really careful to explain to people, um, you know, don't get caught up in the concept of the matrix and your whole world is, is pointless and everything's already done. You know, there's no, you know, you're just in here playing a game and that's the, that's it. There's no relevance to it. You don't matter, whatever. Cause that's not true. Um, that matrix or simulation is set up the very same way is, is the monopoly game real? Nah, I mean, it's a real game. But it's an opportunity. It's a playground for you to come in at your own free will. You're not forced to come here. Um, you're coming in here because there are certain things that you can experience within this realm. Um, and we catch ourselves out all the time. Like I'm 54 years old and I am I'm like an infant. You know, I'm still learning all of these things. That I, and every time I do it, I'm like, of course, of course, 
Oh yeah. And you're unlearning as fast as you're learning. So part of the fun of being in here is all the conditioning that's here. And, you know, we were like up, up, uproar and, you know, they're trying to keep us in the box. Well, the box serves a purpose because you can't find your way from the box to another box or out of the box or wherever else you're going to go unless there is a box. So the boxes are extremely necessary in our growth and evolution. And so we have this tendency to create these hierarchies, which makes us no better than them. Do you know in that it's like, oh, I'm an out of the box thinker, Do you know, as if if you're in the box, oh, you're so unevolved, Do you know, and that's not how it works at all. You're having a different experience, an immersive experience, the same as like you're playing the Monopoly game. You know, you could have a billionaire who's sitting around with his family, who's a highly accomplished individual who's playing a game of Monopoly. Does that negate everything he's done outside of the game? Absolutely not. It means that he's paused his reality and he's playing a different game for a different experience with his family. So it's kind of like that when you, when you come in and you choose a different reality. So that death process for me was just like, Oh my God. But I was obviously, you know, I, I wanted to come back in. I wanted to share. This is what's going on guys, because it was time. Now that's something where I felt allowed to do as in it felt like a force larger than myself could have said, it's not time. They're not ready. But that wasn't the case. It was quite the opposite. It was get in there, girl, because I'm a really hyper and enthusiastic kind of individual and a real cheerleader, do you know? And so um, the way that I've been able to come in and write about the story and, and to share the story is a way that's made it quite accessible to everybody. Do you know, it's one that it's not kind of like so spiritual, you know, it's like that. Have you ever seen that t-shirt? I love Jesus, but a cuss a little, you know, it's like, <laughs> I, you know, I believe in, I believe in the spirit. I believe in, I believe in the here, I, you know, the ever after, but a cuss a little, do you know? Um, so I really think that for me having that out of body experience and being the one who comes in and talks about this on such a regular basis is because I'm making it accessible because guess what? It is accessible. It belongs to all of us. It's, a, it's an experience that we're all having. And as we've just gone through a massive shift from a 3d world into a 5d, we blew right past 4d. Like we've, we've done the, like a full tesseract here and we're in that 5d reality it is time for people to start remembering because they can begin to manipulate their experience here in a much different way. They have to realize that it's not black and white. They're not the victim of a circumstance. They are 100% completely in control, no matter what of their reality. Physically, somebody might come in and cause harm, but emotionally, energetically, no one can touch them. So people are beginning to realize that. And so, you know, me coming back in from that space was, I think the timing I've been building up over all these years and then we hit this pandemic and people began to realize that the world is nothing like we thought it was absolutely nothing. Our versions of reality are melting in front of our very eyes. And I think it's wonderful. It's extremely exciting. Um, it can be a little bit scary for people who, um, kind of have a, a, a fear base, um, or haven't taken a lot of time in kind of securing their place within this reality um, or have an outside in approach to life where they've kind of given all their power away and let other people make decisions for them um, where they don't know how to find that voice. Um, you know, I'm teaching people, Hey guys, it's time. Let your fears have a voice, but not a vote. They don't get a vote in how you proceed forward. So um, yeah, so that that's what it was like as I was kind of hanging out, hovering above watching my accident. And then all of a sudden everything sped up and there was a sound change again. There was the most beautiful, like the, the most beautiful symphony, the, this orchestra, this music of the spheres that you could hear in the background, these vibrations, these frequencies that were just unreal. They were unearthly because they were unearthly. And it was at that point that I went from this reality to this reality. What's really interesting for me was that there was no tunnel of light. It wasn't like a walk into the light, Carol Ann. Do you know, it wasn't like that. Um, I know some people have definitely had that experience, but for me, it was like I was in this place and then I was in this place. Um, and when I arrived in that place and just kind of basked in that feeling, um, there were two beings who just kind of appeared out of the atmosphere. It was like 
they became the atmosphere and took shape and form in such a way that was comfortable for me. And they were two elderly gentlemen. I love old people. I always have. And so it would totally make sense that they would take the form of something that, that instantly put me at ease. So it wasn't like, you know, I'm, I'm the daughter of a Southern Baptist minister. You know, Jesus did not meet me at the pearly gates, guys. Um, does that mean that the Christ consciousness is not real? No. But it means that this idea of what we've created, you know, the cherubs at the harp and St. Peter at the gate and all, thats it's just not that way. It's a very unique and very individualized experience that I can't tell you is so overwhelmingly beautiful that you have absolutely nothing to fear. You have nothing to fear. If you drop that fear of death and actually get out there and start taking some risks and living life, um, it would be an awful lot more fun. So, um these guys turned out to be my spirit guides. We have them. Guess what? Spoiler alert, guys. You're never, ever, 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 ever alone. And so I got to watch what we would call a life review, which was amazing because another paradigm shift for me took, took place during that time because it exploded my concept and perception of time. So here I am standing in the middle of this, surrounded by these two loving beings who had been with me forever. They were my spirit guides. And, you know, we have some that come and go based on what we're doing. Um, there's always a steady flow of mentors and teachers on the other side coming in and out of our experience. Um, but then there's your steady eddies. And so these two guys had been with me from day dot, no matter what incarnation I'd been in, where I was, whatever. And it was really apparent the second that I remembered that. And so there they are, and you're just enveloped in love and, you know, absolutely no judgment. Box of popcorn. Let's sit back and watch this boy. And my life begins to take place, not on a cinema screen in front of me, but all around me. So I am like mouth hanging open. I am watching myself get lost and having my first past life memory of Atlantis at age four. I'm a lost at Virginia Beach. I'm watching myself get my first bulldog at age 11. I'm seeing myself raped at age 17. I'm seeing myself at 16 getting my driver's license. I'm seeing myself, you know, you name it, there it was, all happening simultaneously. So that concept of a parallel reality, that concept of, of consensual um, and um, connected lifetimes, where there's parts of you taking place in all of them. Because as far as there, you know, that reality of me watching my, my past, it was all happening in present time. There I was three years old. There I was 14. There I was nine. There I was 18. And my mind was blown because it has been, um, you know, the idea of being concurrent, that idea of things happening all at once, um, where these memories and these vivid connections of feelings and experiences from other realities, it's real. It's a very real thing. And so these feelings of deja vu, this feeling when somebody feels like they know something, they don't know why they know it. Um, that's all coming because it's probably being carried on and carried out somewhere else. And um, so I was just like, transformed at that stage so imagine coming back into your body with that concept of time like it is very very hard for me to get worried or worked up or adhere to um the kind of standard 24-hour time i just you know there are certain things like catching an airplane or or you know getting to the ferry on time to get over to scotland um you know that i have to watch my time because i'm playing by their rules not the other way around and so, you know, otherwise, time goes by my rules. And so, yeah, that was a huge impact on my life and a very amazing thing when you realize, you know, oh, you can't change the past. Are you kidding? Of course you can. Yeah, you can. You can time travel within your own experience and you can go back to any state of being in your life experience and you can change and manipulate the feeling, the reaction the cellular memory, the way you carry trauma all by yourself. You're all time travelers. That's what that concept means. And so, you know, 
having a near-death experience that brought that to light and, um, you know, showed me what we all are really capable of was absolutely phenomenal. So long story short, after I figured all that out, zoom back into a broken body. And I've been telling this story ever since. Yeah. What's fascinating is that you said that we're all time travelers. Like, I mean, do, do you like recommend we do that with like, I know you would work with frequency a lot. Like, is it like, can you do that with like meditation and frequency? Like, like, and try to like, 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 so say like I had a traumatic experience back in 2010, which I did. I, I had a guy, um, jump in front of my car and kill himself. It was like, it was, it was really insane. Like, but he was like on drugs and he was like estranged from, it was like a, a, a crazy thing. And they, I was found innocent, you know, or whatever, but like, I don't tell it a lot on the podcast, but like, I figured like it's, it's relates similar to your story, but, uh, but in a different way. Um, but that trauma like was like, like for three years, like I had to deal with that trauma, you know, like, you know, time heals all wounds. I think they say, you know, they say time heals all wounds, but like, you know, um, it took me a while, but I still think that trauma lingers. So you're saying we can go back to that. I can go back to that point and change the way I reacted to it. So that would take away like the, yes. um, whatever I'm feeling maybe now from it. Does that make sense? Yeah. Or no? It's not taking away the lessons that you've learned. So you're not invalidating. Hear this. You're not invalidating the time you spent in trauma because for your soul, for your experience, for all the tools that you're gathering here while you're in this incarnation, that was necessary. But is it necessary then to carry it forward through the rest of the incarnation, which is what a lot of people end up doing? No. So you can take all of that information. There's a particular frequency that allows you to do it. 417 Hertz and 417 Hertz is a great time traveling frequency. So you can take something like the, we couple it a lot of with the um, 396 frequency because that's about fear, guilt, shame, grief, anger, self-loathing. Sounds like your experience had all of those wrapped up in, in one big party. Um, and so you've got all of that. Well, 417 will go back and go, Hey, I know this happened. I understand how hurtful it was, but let's take all of this information that we can from that, everything that you learn from that, which is that, how did you work through the fear? How did you work through that shame? When did you come to the conclusion that you were literally just a catalyst that maybe on a soul level, you were the one who was chosen so that you wouldn't carry the cross to bear all the rest of your life. Maybe you were selected because the next person in the car behind you would have gone and taken their own life because they were responsible for taking the life of somebody else. Do you know, there's a million different ways that you can frame that up. And what you want to carry forward is the information without the pain, without the trauma. You've already done that. So when you time travel back into that space, you're not trying to pretend like it didn't happen. What you're doing is you're saying, okay, you're part of my history. And you're putting that up on the shelf with all the rest of the stories of your history. And instead of wearing that as a badge of, oh my God, I'm the guy who was in the car that killed that guy. Do you know, intellectually, you know, you didn't kill that guy. You know that you were there for a reason. You were there in order to be the catalyst that he could use in order to get out of here. And you were most likely selected because, hey, you were going to do this podcast. You were going to be reaching millions of people. Loads of people were going to hear your growth and your evolution through this. And somebody out there, one person who's been holding themselves responsible for something that was not their fault, but they were a willing spiritual participant in, you're going to change that life. So, of course, it was you. That's really profound. I never really thought about things that way. That that's that's amazing. And 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 I I do think that I think by telling my story, I can help change people because I do think a lot of people are holding trauma and they're holding it. Um, you know, they're holding it like and and they don't know how to let go of it, right? Uh, you know, I had to spend um, a lot of years in like regular therapy, like, you know, like people dog regular therapy. I, I, I think it helped me a lot. You know what I mean? It's just time. You know, it's I think time heals all wounds, really. But I wanted to funny ask some people don't need that time. Some people don't need that amount of time because it's they could stay in therapy for one year or 20 years and come out exactly the same. Do you see? Yeah. And so the relevance of using frequency and time travel to do that means that you can go into someone's experience and where 
therapy, let's say you've got a bumpy road back to that trauma. You know, that 2010, this guy dies by jumping in front of your car and here's a pothole, you know, filled road going back to that. And every time something comes up that triggers you, that's going to take you back to that experience. And, oh, you're reliving aspects of that. And as time marches on, it's not quite as often or maybe the trauma's not quite as severe when you relive that because you've done a lot of therapy and you're filling in those potholes. Well, what frequency and time travel can do is the only way you can get back to that trauma is by traveling that pothole fill roll, r- road. And so what yeah. frequency and time travel do is they go and they blow it up. And they're going, hey, Rob, you know what? You've learned an awful lot. You're not the same person you were when that trauma took place. How about we get rid of the road that allows you to repetitively go back to that same version of you? Let's blow up the road and let's force that amazing brain to create new neural pathways. Let's build some new synapses and little bridges to where you can think about that trauma based on who you are today who you are standing on the shoulders of all of the work that you've done and that's the beauty of frequency and time travel and dealing with trauma that's fascinating um what else do you do as far as like frequency i know you have healing abilities like do you heal clients or like what what do you or do you just use frequency to heal clients or can you tell the audience a little bit more about what you do with like healing yeah, abilities well, you know, I, I came back with this ability i can touch people and i see mind movies so again i can travel very quickly back to that trauma i can whether it's in this lifetime or a concurrent lifetime whatever it is that's creating the block or the slowdown or the hesitancy or the illness in the person's life, I'll jump in, I'll travel back, I'll travel sideways, forward, wherever it is, and I'll go pinpoint that and go, oh, okay, this is why you've got this cancer. Oh, this is where the depression and the suicidal tendencies are coming from. Oh, this is that. And so once you can jump in and you figure out where it is and you come back and you're able to speak to the person about, This is what's happening over here in this version of you. Oh my God, that makes complete sense. I wonder if that's why I've always been attracted to X, Y, or Z. And so inevitably the conversation unfolds and that version of them, it's like it's playing in a loop over and over and over and over and over and over and over. And somehow they're connecting into that loop and they get stuck there. So it's like that little hamster in the wheel. Instead of the thought coming through, yeah, we know the trauma was there. We know what happened, you know, and it was very sad and all that. But do we have to go and relive and acknowledge all the, oh, the wound, da, da, every single time it gets brought up? So it's the difference between someone breaking, oh, my God, when I was when I was 17, I went to college. I'd never had a drink. And and I went to this college party and it looked really cute. And this guy was flirting with me and I went off with him you know, and ended up going down this dark highway and, you know, a hallway with him and into, into this room. And I was so drunk and I got raped. And every time I tell the story, I'm telling it like that. Or it's like, hey guys, I was 17. I'd never been out of my parents' house. My dad was a minister. We never had alcohol. And so of course it was just like Mecca. It was a place I wanted to go. And so I get to this college party. I'm by myself. I'm looking good. I just lost like 50 pounds, my baby fat. And um, I'm in this place and this guy is winking at me. And we're like in this party. It's my first college party. And the really hot guy has picked me out and he's like zoned in on me. So he's showing me around. And guess what? I end up in a room, not with just him. And so some really nasty stuff happened. So you can't, though, go back and visit that when you've had the experience of being out of body and knowing that you aren't your body. That's like you can get offended that somebody broke into your car and maybe they stole your radio or they messed up whatever that was in there. But they broke into your car. They didn't violate you or who you are because that's not possible. The body can be violated. Someone's temple can be broken into but no one has the capacity to actually touch who you are. And so that is a very deeply profound way to walk through life. And so it means that I can sit then and go, oh my gosh, I wouldn't change what happened to me when I was 17 because do you know how many people I have told that story to who were caught in that wheel of victimhood and I'll never be the same. I was like, let me tell you something funny about that. 
I was a preacher's daughter. And so, you know, you're like 18, it's college time and all this. And of course I'm coming from that household. You're never having sex until you get married. I was like, ew, all my friends are doing it. Looks really fun. And so suddenly you go through this experience. It's like every parent's worst nightmare. And I'm going, I'm free. Do you know? Yeah, you grieve the fact that something stupid happened and you feel awful about it. But then the reality behind that is like, it opened the door. I had a ball in college. I had a ball and it's not because I'm in denial or because I'm so traumatized or whatever. In my story leading up to that event happening, it opened a door that otherwise would have remained closed for me. And that might say, whoever is listening to this, there are going to be some people who are going to, oh my God, she's crazy. Um, oh, I'm so offended by that. I don't care. That's the other thing that happened when I died. I am here to share this version of Mary Helen with you. And I actually, I don't care if it offends you. And I don't care if it's, you know, if it's hard for you to hear, I'm just here to share. And so that is such a great gift because I'm not bothered or moved or influenced by what people think is the right expression of me and my life. And wow, is that freeing, you know, talk about freedom. So I always yeah. try to be kind, I always try to be, you know, of service and, and helpful. There's no, you know, there's not a bad bone in my body where I'm ever going to try to be harmful to somebody ever. But I also could not give two shits what somebody thinks about me or my story. Cause trust and believe there are a lot of people out there who think I am bonkers until all of a sudden it happens to them. And then they're like, Oh, that's what you were talking about. Yeah. That's what I was talking about. So I'm just here to try and bring a, an upbeat and a positive spin to something that is so mind blowing. You know, when you start talking about third and fourth and fifth dimension activities and travel and frequency and healing and changing who you are within this, you know, within this dynamic of unlocking imagine i've been a chiropractor you know my dead grandfather is the one who came back and told me that hey we're going to send you to chiropractic school and i'm like are you kidding that's the one they make fun of how come i can't i'm a smart kid i can go be a surgeon do you know what uh -uh. that's not the philosophy that you're going to need we need a vitalistic approach as you teach you're going to have to have a thorough understanding of mind body spirit you will not get that in medical school Go to this college, to this chiropractic school, learn this philosophy, and you'll be able to speak like a champ. I got a question. I, have you ever heard of um, structural integration? They call it rolfing. I had it done yesterday. Oh, you had it? Did you really? The, the reason why I say I that is because- I in my office. What does that tell you? Well, the, the, the reason why I say this, there's this this researcher I used to love listening to. He, he passed away. He had cancer. But- um. His name was Gerald Clark. He wrote books on like the Anunnaki and stuff. And um, he was big on structural integration. He said that structural integration can kind of, um, it, can, it can manipulate your energy body in a good way, you know? And it, he said it also helped with gravity. Like, cause he said, we're not real good with our, with gravity, the way like our bodies are set up. Is that right? Like, I just want to get your opinion from a chiropractor. Well, here, let me just turn this way and you can look through that wall right there into the room where the wall the, where the rolfer work so that's my answer i can't give you anything better than that that i have it in the room next door to me for a reason so here's the chiropractor there's the rolfer and the next room down is the metaphysical healing room that's my triad okay so yes that's awesome great respect for that and so brilliant point that you bring up because let me tell you what, when I crash back into my body at breakneck speed into a body with a broken neck, you realize all of a sudden how thick and dense these bodies are. It's like waking up is like you put on all the all of your jeans and every jacket you own and jumped into a swimming pool. And now you're like the, the Michelin man trying to get out of the pool. That's what it felt like going in. The awareness, once you've been out and have to come back in, in the same incarnation, I have a completely different respect. You will never hear me. I don't disrespect my body the way that I ever would have spoken about it as a young girl. Do you know, like all the girls, every human being has body dysmorphia. You can't help but. You could be perfectly perfect and meet one person who's going, everything is perfect. I'm, th I'm thrilled with exactly what this looks like. There aren't any. If there are, I've never met them. Yeah. And if they are, they're probably on some, you know, new age circuit and they're lying. 
And um, because these are really unnatural. It's like trying to go to a dinner party in a spacesuit, you know, you're you're in that big bubble helmet and that spacesuit and your arms are awkward and all so that you can survive in a different atmosphere. Yeah, it's awkward, (laughs) you know? So like, I don't ever, I go, God almighty. I'm like, you're doing good, girl. I got smashed up. I got everything banged, you know, broke every bone in my face and my body and my neck and this whole thing. I'm doing pretty damn good. I'm 54 years old. I work as a chiropractor. That's not an easy job. I'm in the gym eight hours a day in here adjusting people, y'all. Do you know? So like this body after that accident and everything that I was told I'd never be able to do, I've done all of it. You know, you look like you look like a perfectly healthy person. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to. I didn't mean to interrupt you. I just want to tell you, you look like a very healthy person. I got my stuff. I got I got my issues all the time. I'm in pain 24 seven. Um, it's you know part of it, but that's also really funny to me because getting older is actually a lot easier for me than my friends who were never in pain, because I've been in pain the majority of my life. So the normal aches and pains and stuff that happen as you do get older, eh, you know, I have this amazing mindset that that doesn't get to dictate whether I do something or not. So the first question that crosses my lips in the morning and I say it out loud, I wake up, I look around, I smile, I say, thank you for being here. And I go, all right, let me check through the bod. Is the pain I'm in right now bigger than what I wanted to do today? And one day the yeah. answer might be yes, but so far it's not. Well, what's weird is like I I'm 43. I turned 43, you know, and uh, I when I, I was comparing pictures of myself when I was 38, I was like completely ripped. I used to like work out every day, but there's something that happens. Like I I can't explain it to people. Like it's like your body hits a switch somewhere around after 40, like 41, 42. Like your metabolism starts to go down. I don't know what it is. Like. You know, or maybe I'm just not living right anymore. I thought I was, but like, I thought I was on the right track, but like, I still work out, you know, and stuff, but like, I'm not in the shape I was when I was 38. And I, I, and I do get, start to get those aches and pains and stuff like that. Like, I'm starting to wonder if it's an age thing. Like, do you think there's a point where our bodies like, um, don't respond as well as like they used to? Well, you know what? There are a lot of people who disprove that, but a lot of what I think is happening there is that in the span of what, you know, what, what you're lucky if you get to 80, 90, 100. Um, yeah. So in that kind of span of where we are in these days, um, about that time at about the halfway mark, the body then kicks. Remember, the body's always been here to be of service to us. You know, we think, yeah. oh, my God, I'm sick or I have a disease or I've got cancer or whatever. That's in service to you. That is a direct reflection of how you are or aren't living your life. You can, it's like, you know, a woman comes in, she has breast cancer. Chances nine times out of 10, she's going to be over nurturing someone and she's getting the least of her attention. So the body creates a process that is going to call her into where she's going to have to go. No, sorry guys. No. Why does it usually happen to women at the same age group? Because they're in that mothering period or they've just finished it and they've been used to saying, yes, 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 yes. I'll do it. I'll do it. I'll do it. I'll do it. And they don't know how to break out of that. And the ones who don't break out, something ends up manifesting in the body that calls their attention and goes, hey, sunshine, enough. You did a good job. Now let that go. You need your own attention. Right? Yeah. And some people get that lesson and other people don't. And so you can chemo that or herbal tea that or do whatever you want to do to that. The trick of getting out of it is whether you've gotten that lesson or not. And that's where frequency and and concurrent time travel can really, really change the game. So um, I think that, that the body is designed to tell us, hey, you're 43 now. Do you really think being ripped and spending all that time that it's taking to get ripped is the most important thing? after all that you've been learning and integrating into your life or to think maybe we'll spend something, some time on something else, you know, now there'll be a little sacrifice. You, know, you might get a little bit more flabby than you used to be, but you're going to find that you don't <laughs> care the same way. And the people who love you don't care because they're not there because you're ripped. They're there yeah. because of who you are and they want to grow forward with you, 
not because you're ripped, but because you're still growing. <laughs> right? Yeah, you know, you just made me realize how dumb I sounded by saying that. But like, I, I, I that, just. That's, I, everybody says it. It's not you. Okay. So, because we can, we tend to look back at our fondness of our, of when our, our bodies looked great. And we, you know, and I think, you know, I, but now I've acquired all this knowledge. You're right. So, like, now it was like a trade off. It's like, you know, like I might have a little bit of chub on me, but like I, I have all this knowledge. So it's a different, it's a different part of my life, I think. Right. Like, yeah. And then you just have to, you know, like you, you have to remember. And again, it's that body dysmorphia. Like, are you looking at me and you're judging me right now and you're not listening to all this amazing stuff that we're talking about because you're too busy looking at how many wrinkles I have or that I have some bags under my eyes or that maybe I'm a little chubby in my cheeks? Do you know, like, are you doing that right now? No. No, and I'm not doing it to you either. So guess what? There's the big cosmic secret. Nobody gives a shit. So that's all self-imposed, all right? So if you can learn that now, that like if it's like, I have, I had 20 pounds more on than I do right now when I wrote my first book. Do you think anyone cared? No. And when my second book came around and I had 20 pounds less, do you think anybody cared? No, they don't care. I was a lot younger. And so I didn't have to wear glasses when I wrote that first book. Now the screen's a little bit blurry. Is that bothering you that I'm wearing glasses and talking about these deeply profound spiritual things with you? No one cares. The only yeah. one who's thinking about you and your meat suit is you. That, that makes a good point. One, oh, one thing I want to, before we, before we finish up, there's something I definitely wanted to talk about. I think it's really important is uh, I, I don't think I really understood it when we, when we first met was the reason why you moved to Ireland. You're looking for something, you're researching for something, right? Like yeah, 44 I, I, years later. <laughs> what is it? Yeah. What are you looking for? So um, I have been, well, I have them all. The um, These are symbols that I saw long before I came here. And they're, they're from a memory that I have from about 13,776 years ago. Um, and 784, actually. Um, but these were symbols that were, they were, picture them like USB keys. So these were ancient pre-Atlantean symbols called goat the Goet alphabet, but they're, they're not, it's not an alphabet like putting the symbols together to make a word. Each symbol is a huge library of, of information from pre the last major catastrophe that took, you know, Atlantean civilization down. You know, we've made it such a thing and all this that it sounds stupid when you say it like it. So, you know, but the place existed and the people were real and the very same way is that in a couple of hundred years when Ireland no longer looks the way that it does right now. Why Ireland? Because I wanted to see it before it went down. Do you know? I want to remember on a cellular level this time in history where I was physically present on an island that's going to be breaking up into much, much smaller little islands because of the constant, you know, the constant changes that will take place here, you know. Um, and I don't think it'll be, I think it'll be in less than 200 years that it'll look like a completely different place. And I wanted to be here to see it that way, to encode it into my memory. So, you know, when we have memories of places like Atlantis or, you know, or Mu or Lemuria, um, people are remembering a time when, uh, when other places existed. There were Atlantean outposts all over planet earth. So it's not like, oh, there was one big wave and Atlantis went down. There were multiple incarnations, just like you, if you think of like the Roman empire or, the British Empire, as it goes across and it, it, it lands in different countries and intermingles with the people there, um, it's much the same way. The Atlantean Empire spanned the globe. And so that's what Billy Carson said. I mean, I didn't interrupt you, but I, I got so excited because Billy Carson said this whole landmass of this whole world was Atlantis, basically. You know, supposedly, I don't know, you know, like but, but he said, I think that we're on top of Atlantis and Lemuria. Like, well, I don't know if I am. I'm in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. But, you know, like I we could be, you know I'm what I mean? I'm on the land I mean, bridge. You're, oh, you're on the, in Ireland, do you think that's the land bridge? I don't know. I think that's part of it. And I think that um, the Azores, the, the islands off the west coast of Portugal, about 200 miles out, um, those are the tips of some of the mountain peaks, 
from continental Atlantis in its last incarnation. There were multiple incarnations, rise and fall. Um, in the last incarnation, I think there was a massive celestial event. I think the supernova, uh, supernova exploded. I think we had 12 planets. And I think that um, in that explosion, a lot of space debris and rubbish came through. And the tiny moon that we had that allowed us to travel easily across the globe because there were no tides, <clears throat> it went bye-bye and a huge chunk of rock got caught in our gravitational field that we call the moon. So, um, you know, and there's all sorts of theories about that and what it is and what's been done on it and all that. And we want, that's a whole nother discussion. Um, but I do believe that during that time, the Atlanteans had such advanced technology that they knew it was coming. And so they began early on. I think there were emissaries of light, they were called, where, you know, they went out to Egypt. They went to Gobekli Tepe. They went across the world taking their knowledge so that it wouldn't all be in one place. Some people stayed and went down with the ship, but there were many emissaries that went out into the different nations and began to integrate in with the people there. That's fascinating. So what yeah, are these so codes? Like, what do you, what do you think these, the do these codes have to do with frequency? Yeah, they do. And so I have been working with frequency for so long now in attempts to be able to, you know, cymatics, I think, will be the answer of unlocking um, the vibration behind the symbols. Because if you can change the symbol from a flat 2D iconograph into a three-dimensional thing that we can run a frequency through and get a signature for, I think we can then unlock it. And it's just, it'll be like opening a whole bunch of history books. So no, as, as weird and far out there as that sound, imagine walking up to George Washington and handing him a USB with the, uh, the U.S. Constitution on it. He'd be like, what? Do you know? He couldn't yeah. conceptualize of that. So it's not that big of a leap for us to think that there's, you know, the history of, of this world is stored somewhere. And I think it's stored within those symbols. And so I've been chasing them my entire adult life. Um, I have all the symbols. It's unlocking them with the frequency. That's something I've been working on. And so that takes me to how am I handling my life now? What am I doing? Well, I work with this amazing, um, music producer, sound engineer. Um, just, he's a genius. Um, Greg Papania and his, um, his contact is signs, S I N E S signs music. Um, and so there is an app coming up very shortly because one of the big frustrations um, that has happened in my life, like I, I love being of service and helping people. And I, you know, I, I'm not afraid to work. I, I work all the time, but as far as time bending, there's only so much time bending I can do to reach a lot of people. And so like, I'll do a podcast like this. Uh, like, let's say when I did coast to coast, I got 5,000 emails afterwards looking for healing. And I was just like, you know, so it, it's my nine-year-old is dying. My mother is dying. Um, I'm suicidal. I'm the, these are serious, important things to these people. And so I can't tell you um, how difficult it is sometimes not just simply not to be able to show up. I'd literally just sit on the phone 24 hours a day. That's all I would be doing. And it's just not the way I want to serve and not the way I want to live my life. So the onus was on me to find a way out. Well, so Greg has developed an app and it signs um, the signs app that has every incarnation of frequency that I use in my healing. One of my abilities is that I can listen to something, let's say a brain tumor or a particular type of throat cancer or pancreatic cancer. I can hear it. I can you know, I can hear HIV. I was able to hear COVID. I put a COVID frequency up that people used all throughout the pandemic. Um, I just had somebody use it the other day who had a huge job opportunity and they had COVID the day before, used the frequency and then tested negative and got the job. So, you know, it's that kind of thing. I'm here to help people realize that potential through frequency. So the signs app is going to have literally every frequency that we've ever created meditations, my audio book, there's going to be a TV show on it. I've already shot the first couple of episodes called the Mary Hellion. Um, and then that's just my portal. There are a ton of things about grief, about meditation, happiness, you know, finding your way. Um, there's all sorts of stuff on, on this signs app. So it's like, we're finally being able to bring everything together in one. And I'll be sure and let you know when that's ready, which is soon in a, in a couple of weeks. 
So it means that I'll be able finally to address all of these questions in a way where people can go on and they're seeing this constantly updated information that will hopefully answer the questions that they have. Because the basic undertone, it doesn't matter if the person is, you know, has a child dying of cancer or they've just lost a baby, you know, a baby to stillbirth or their marriage is just broken up or they've lost their job and, you know, or whatever it is, or they've got a kid who's suicidal. Um, the basic underlying answers are always going to be the same. And so if you can teach people how to go in and kind of wipe the windows clean for them so they can see out for themselves and they can begin to empower themselves with the tools so that we take things. You know, I have a chapter in one of my books called Gurusalem. You know, we don't need any more gurus. <laughs> So yeah, right. I, I agree with people that. People understand that they're the guru, you know, because it's like, okay, yeah, I can do some pretty weird stuff. Do you know? Like, I, I get that. It's 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 awesome, but so can you. All I've got to do is show you how to use those tools. And so it's not a it's it's a complete opposite of wanting to create this kind of oh my god, look what I can do because I was dead. Look what I can do because I had to be dead in order to realize it. You don't have to be dead because I'm going to tell you how to do it without having to be dead. How cool is that? That's real cool. I like that. I mean, I, I probably have like, like, like things that I would like want to – I mean, I just love listening to Frequency. Like right now, I, I listen to uh, Robert Monroe's Hemi Sync by Neural Beats. I've talked about it on my show before because I'm trying to have out-of-body experiences. Um, out, out of body experiences, I'm sorry, but like, um, you know, so check I'd be out, willing um, to check out Todd Akamesis. Hold on, I'll write it down. Can you do you know how to spell his name or what? Is he, yes, is he Todd T O D D? Look him up on Facebook A C A M E S I S A Z A M E I S C C like cat. Oh, A C A M E I S. Yeah, is that it? or it's, it's either AM or EM. But okay. if you look on my friends list on Facebook, you'll see him. Okay. He's like he's like the king of OBE, and he can he can easily um, he's got so many amazing little workshops and stuff that help people access that. And see, that's when you know you're with the real deal. This is not something we want to keep exclusive. We want everybody to know how to do it because you know the high. Oh shit! Um, you cut out for a second. Isn't that funny? Right when I said Illuminati. Um, so the, the hierarchy and you know those guys—they're um, just part of the game. You know, they're just—they're just the the guy, the the jailer on the Monopoly game. They're no more more or less significant. So the idea that we must keep this—you know—we must. Are there people who can't integrate information? The same way that others can. Yeah. You know, it's like they hear, hey, there's a riot in town and they go bash in all the windows and steal everybody's shit. Yeah. You know, so they feel like they've got to keep sacred information away from those people because they're not mature enough to handle it. What if they had what if they had the information and realized that they there was another way to be happy? So it's that kind of reverse. It's it's a reverse psychology, I guess, where. It's like we want to empower people with the understanding. It's like taking vitamins. Look, you're, you're going to throw this information at a handful of people and it's going to stick to some and others it's just going to wash through. It's like, you know, if you take 10,000 milligrams of vitamin C, but you only needed five, you're going to wee the other five out. Do you know? So there's no danger in sharing the information because everybody is either, it's not going to use it. They're either going to use it or they're just going to flush it because they're, they're not there or they're not ready for that. So it's like when people step in and start trying to keep us from information for our own good or do things to us because they think it's for our own good. Like look at the last three years. Hello, you know, here, stick this in your body um, or you'll never travel again. And I'm sitting here today. The president of America arrived in Ireland yesterday and the Irish people were told they would never travel again if they didn't get vaccinated. And the ban is being lifted on May 11th. And I'm just sitting here. How must those people who did that feel? How must they feel when they were told, if you don't do this, you will never do this again. And now never has become three years. Yeah. 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 It's, so it's, this is what happens when you let other people make your choices for you. I agree. I, I That's really well said. Yeah. that's I, That's really well said. 
I mean, I, I, I never agreed with that whole ban thing. Or like, you know, like, because I, I feel like we all have the opportunity to do whatever we want with our body. Like, you know, like it's your body. You, you could, you should be able to do, you know, whatever you want with it. And me, I didn't want anything done with it. I just wanted to be, I wanted to stay myself. And, you know, I'm trying to go speak around because YouTube will take the video down. You know what I mean? Like, so I'm trying to speak in code, but I, I'm, I'm butchering we get it, it. So, yeah. <laughs> get it. But, um, but this was fascinating. Can you tell everybody where to find you and uh, how to get your frequency stuff and, um, and your book? MaryHelenHensley.com. Okay. Well, thank, thank you that. so much. And, and, and I'll send you a link when I post it. Thank you. And I'd love to come back when the app, when the signs app with all of the frequency work is ready. I would love to come back and talk to you about that. And that would know, be awesome. I look forward. It because it's about time. It's like, you know, it's a, it's a one-stop shop as far as like everything. I use frequency the same way somebody else uses a medicine kit, you know? So I want to be able to teach people how to do that and how to work these bodies and how to just bypass that dysmorphia and to stop worrying about stuff that just doesn't matter. You know, it simply doesn't matter. Yeah, I agree. All right. Well, thank you so much. And uh, yeah, but definitely keep me in mind because I definitely want to have you back on the show when you when you absolutely that, that that's that's very important to me. I, that's because uh, I love. Well, I'm grateful for you because I couldn't talk unless I had a platform to speak on. So thank you. Oh no problem. And uh, I'll talk to you soon. And uh, and and thanks.